Well, good morning. My name is Javier Hidalgo. Uh, you can call me Javi. All my friends call me Javi, and uh, everyone's been friendly so far, so you can call me Javi. I'm here with my uh, beautiful family, my wife, Tiffany, and our, uh, our three boys, uh, Grayson and Mike, our oldest and our youngest, are in here. Uh, Sawyer said, I'm going to Children's Church. I'm not, I'm not sitting in service. So he's back in Children's Church. Uh, but we're just so excited that we get to share uh, a little bit of our heart, a little bit of our story, um, and our heart for the Scottish uh, people. Uh, as you walked in, uh, we have a table over here. If you would pick up one of our prayer cards, we sure would uh, appreciate it. I will warn you, if you don't pick up a prayer card, uh, my boys are going to bring you one. Uh, I've trained them to do that, and if you, you might end up with two or three. That happened in the first service, and so if you do, you just have to pray for us twice as much. Uh, but make sure to pick one up. Put it somewhere where you see it often, uh, you know, whether that's on your fridge or if you slip it in your Bible, wherever you put it. Just um, If you could commit to pray for our family, uh, we sure would appreciate it. Pray for the Scottish people and pray for the laborers that are already on the field uh, trying to reach the Scottish people with the gospel of Jesus uh, Christ. I wanted to spend uh, our time this morning uh, sharing uh, a little bit of our heart and our story with you. A, a question that we frequently get as missionaries, and I'm sure the other missionaries in here can relate to this, um, we get this question of, well, why Scotland, right? Uh, why are you going to Scotland out of all the places that need the gospel? And you can you know, close your eyes and, and put your hand on a map and you'll find a country that desperately needs Jesus. Why Scotland? Well, I think we particularly get that question because uh, we have a Spanish last name, um, if you spend any time talking to my wife, you, you wouldn't know this by looking at her, but she's half Lebanese. Her dad uh, immigrated to the States from uh, Lebanon, and we have no Scottish heritage whatsoever uh, on either sides of our family. But there's a story there of how the Lord uh, moved in our lives and drew us uh, to the, the Scottish people. And so that story begins uh, when we were uh, children. Uh, I did not grow up in a Christian home. I was telling your uh, pastor the story last night. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Uh, my parents told me that we were uh, Catholic. And uh, I only mentioned that because uh, we were Catholic in name only, if that makes sense. Uh, and what I mean by that is we went to Mass, I think, five times in my entire life. It was Christmas, Easter, and three other times I think we were acting up and my dad said we're going to church and he'd pack us in the SUV and we'd drive to the local Catholic parish and right, that's what we would do. Um, I'm from Houston, Texas, so is Tiffany, right? Um, and that was really my only experience with religion. Outside of growing up in Houston, I'm sure it's like this here in the Metroplex, all the adults I met always said that God was real, right? Like at teachers, you know, um, the people that would come over to, to babysit us as kids, everybody said that God was real, but nobody told me who Jesus was. Nobody told me my need for a savior. They just said this general truth that God is real. Um, so I accepted that truth as a young boy, right? Just this general truth. Um, but when I was about nine years old, my mom got really sick. Um, my mom has an illness. Maybe you know somebody, you have a family member or uh, somebody that you know that has, she has multiple sclerosis. And uh, if you know anything about that illness, it's an illness that affects your, uh, your nervous system. And if you really stop and think about your nervous system, your nervous system is every bodily function that you have. Uh, so growing up, we lived across the street from a park. And I remember as a kid watching my mom, she was athletic. She would run uh, around that park right, for exercise. And then I remember just a few days later, my mom and dad uh, sitting us in our living room and saying, hey, listen, mom may never walk again. And for the first time in my life, I started to question that truth of God is real. Uh, this went on for a few years. Mom got more and more sick. 
when I was 12 years old, I reached a breaking point. And the reason I reached a breaking point is my mom started to go blind. Uh, so to explain to you how that would work, uh, around Monday afternoon, Monday evening, mom would start to say that she couldn't see. And by the end of the night, she couldn't see her hand this close to her face. Uh, my dad would call her doctor, who would send a nurse to our living room with an IV pole, and they would hook her to uh, an IV full of steroids. And then, you know, by Thursday or Friday, mom would, her vision would, would come back and she'd be able to see again. Uh, the problem is Monday seemed to always come, and on Monday, mom would start to go blind again. Uh, I mentioned that because this completely shook our family. Uh, I went to my older brother, who was uh, five years older than me, and I asked him, I said, Frankie, how do you know that God is real? And I always try to preface this with uh, my brother grew up in the same house I did, right? He didn't own a Bible. He's never read the Bible. He, he has no relationship with the Lord. And so he gave the, you know, the uh, answer a 17-year-old boy who doesn't know would give. He said, I don't know. Why don't you go Google that? That was literally his response. Go Google it. We had a um, computer in my parents' living room. And so that's what I did. I went and Googled that phrase. I share this in every church we go to. Google is not a good witnessing tool. But it wasn't back then. It's not today. Because here's why I say that. I would love to share with you that I found a church like yours, right? That I typed in, how do we know that God is real? I'm sure I put something about suffering in my search, right, uh, into the search bar. But I didn't find a church like yours that shared the gospel with me. You know what I found? I found a message board, right? And you think like pre-Facebook, right? Before we were arguing on Facebook, we were arguing on message boards. And I found this message board full of atheists. And these atheists were saying that um, God doesn't exist, that it's foolish to believe in God. And if God didn't, if God did exist, then suffering like my mom was going through wouldn't happen. And as a 12-year-old boy, with, I didn't know any Christians well. I bought in. I mean, I completely bought in. I told my mom a few days later I was an atheist. Um, and that's how I chose to live my life. Now, my story begins to change. Uh, when I met Tiffany. So Tiffany and I met in high school. We met on the first day of high school in ninth grade Spanish class. Um, and I wanted to date Tiffany from the first day of school. Like, and I can visualize it. Like, Tiffany sat one row over and three seats up from me, right? And the only reason I remember that it was one row over and three seats up is because they let us pick our seats that day for class. And I was late to class. And some, some other booger, you know, sat next to her. Actually, a few of them did. Um, I wanted to date Tiffany from that first day of high school, and it just wasn't in the cards for me. Now, Tiffany uh, was saved at a church in Humble, so outside the Houston area, uh, at a young age, and then her parents moved around a whole bunch, and she was never discipled. And so by the time they did, her parents did uh, settle down and they found a church, Tiffany was a teenager, and she didn't want to go to church anymore. And so this allowed us to be really good friends. Uh, so we stayed friends all through high school. We grew really, really close. Um, eventually, I went off to college. And when I went off to college, I went to Sam Houston State in Huntsville, you know, about an hour and a half north of Houston. And uh, I wanted to be a lawyer. And uh, I was telling Pastor, that didn't work out. That's a different story. But um, I mentioned that because I was most deeply involved in atheism when I was in college. We. Uh, we used to stand, me and my atheist friends used to stand on, uh, we, at Sam we called it the square. It was like an outdoor common area where students mingle. I think every college campus tends to have an area like that, right, where they mingle between classes. And we would find Christians to try to question. So here's how that would work. If you were an 18, 19 year old college student and you were walking by us, we would say, hey buddy, are you a Christian? 
And people, uh, we're in Texas, right? Yeah. And then we'd follow it up with, can I ask you some questions? Now, I would hope, Christian, if you're walking around somewhere outside and someone says, hey, are you a Christian? Can I ask you some questions? Your answer would be yes, right? Same was true for them. I said, okay, cool. Uh, can you explain to me how you know the Bible is a reliable source of truth? And I'd watch as these 18 and 19-year-old kids that, weren't, like, that had faith in God but weren't rooted in their faith, they hadn't thought deeply about their faith, it would, these questions would shake them. I'd say, that's okay, bud. You don't have to finish answering that. Why don't you just explain the doctrine of the Trinity to me? And I'd watch as their worldview would start to fall apart, and eventually we would introduce atheism to them. I mention that because I want you to understand where we came from. To make a long story short, um, Tiffany and I started dating uh, my last semester of college. Tiffany finally agreed to start dating me. I'm like over the moon excited. We've known each other for over 10 years at this point. And then three days later, Tiffany uh, sends me a text, but she says, we got to break up. And I'm going, what is going on? So I drove over to her parents' house. Her parents lived five minutes from my parents. That's where she lived. And I remember storming into her living room um, and asking her, like, what's going on? And Tiffany's answer usually resonates with Christians. She said, I got thinking about it. I'm a Christian. You're an atheist. What future do we have together? And guys, that made me really mad. As somebody with anger problems, it made me really mad. Um, a few reasons why. One, Tiffany was my closest friend, and I knew once we started dating, if we ever broke up, we were never going to be friends again. And she was my closest friend. I also knew, at least I thought in that moment, she's never going to give up her Christianity. Right? It's not going to happen. And I'm not going to give up my atheism, that's for sure. So this is through. I got this really bright idea that I, uh, I drove a little sports car at the time, my little two-door you know, sports car, and I said, I'm going to um, go out into the cul-de-sac. I'm going to peel out. I'm going to do a donut in the cul-de-sac. I'm going to leave, and I'm never coming back. I'm never talking to this girl again, and that's it. You know, maybe I'll find an atheist girl. Right? That was kind of my mindset. Uh, but I got this bright idea. I'm going to say something really snarky to her on my way out to stick it to her. Right? Just so, like, you know, added effect here. Um, so this is what I said to her. I got to the front door. I put my hand on the doorknob. I said, got it. Tiffany, that's not fair. You never invited me to church. I knew Christians were supposed to. Right? Like, you're supposed to evangelize me. Right? That's how this is supposed to work. What I didn't expect is I turned around thinking, that's good, and grabbed the doorknob again. And Tiffany, in her sweet, quiet voice, goes, okay, we'll go to church then. And I turned out, I kid you not, like my eyes are like this big. I had no desire to go to church, but I'm sure, I don't get to say this in, in uh, all the churches we visit, but I think in this area, I can confidently say this. There's enough churches to do this. We went to a different church every Sunday for two and a half years. Yeah. Right, you probably passed a church on the way here, didn't you? Don't lie. Right? That's how, that's how it is in Houston. Uh, I say that we went to a different church every Sunday because I was an atheist and I didn't want to be in church. So I would sit like on that back row over there and as soon as service ended, you know, they're not even done with the invitation. I'm like gone. Right? And then we'd get to the car and Tiffany would go, what was wrong with this one? And I'd give her my made up reasons as to why we can't go to this church. Uh, eventually we got married and my wife, my sweet wife put her foot down. She goes, we're going back to that church by our high school because they were nice to me. We visited there and I don't want to go to a different church every weekend anymore. I said, okay. So we started going, and a young couple in the church, Henry and Miranda Jordan, invited us to go out to eat after service. And I didn't want to go because I was paranoid. I'm like, nobody invites you out to eat. They got a motive. There's something they're up to. And I was right, because we get to Chili's, and Henry goes, here's the real reason I invited you out to eat. Uh, we're starting a young married Bible study. And guess what? You're one of the only young married couples in the church. So I want you to come. And I'm ready to tell Henry, get lost. 
you're lucky I even come to church. I ain't going to no Bible study. I ain't giving up my Wednesday night. But before I could, Tiffany leans back over the table and looks at him. She goes, what time does it start? I promise you it will be there. <laughs> and so we went to this Bible study. I told Pastor this last night. I bought a Bible just for the occasion. Right, you go to a Bible study, you have to go to a Bible. I bought it at Barnes & Noble. I literally just picked one off the shelf. That Bible study completely changed my life. And not, probably not in the way that you're thinking. Okay? We get to the Bible study, and there's a few of us sitting in a circle, and Henry Jordan gives out Bible verses for everybody to read. You ever been to a Bible study like that, where they just hand out Bible verses and they expect you to know where they're at in the Bible? Uh, yeah. He gives everybody a Bible verse. He gave me a Bible verse out of John chapter 15. Now, here, here's what I want you to catch. As an atheist, I used to always quote scripture at Christians, but I never found them in a Bible. I would Google them, right? I've never really read the Bible before. Uh, I didn't know where the Gospel of John was in the Bible. So I, used to, I did know this, though. If you skim at the top of the pages in the corner, it tells you the names. And so I'm skimming, looking, and then as I'm looking, uh, Henry says this phrase, hey, guys, don't worry about what order I gave you your verses in. Um, just whenever you get to your verse, just read it, and we'll talk about it. So people are reading their verses, and I'm like, I can't find this. And I go, oh, oh no, never mind. I found it. And I get to 1 John. And I'm like, I got it. All right, I'm ready. And then I'm like, oh, wait, there's not 15 chapters here. That's okay. I got to 2 John. And then I got to 3 John. And in this Bible and in that Bible, it's like this big. And I'm thinking one or two things. This is either the worst Bible study teacher because he doesn't realize that there's not 15 chapters here. <laughs> Or I'm in trouble, and everyone's read their verse at this point. That moment completely changed my life. I had to lean over and ask Tiffany to read or help me find the verse. She flipped me back to the Gospel of John, put her finger on the verse, and like literally traced her finger as I read the verse. Here's why that moment changed my life. As an atheist on the college campus, I was used to making these young Christians feel small for their faith, and for the first time, I felt like the smallest person in the room. And so I took that Bible home, I also went back to Barnes & Noble. I bought a bunch of Christian books from like the Christian section of Barnes & Noble and I started to read them. I don't want you to miss this. I had no desire to get to know God. I didn't want to know God. I wanted nothing to do with God. I wanted to be smarter than Henry Jordan. That was it. That was the end game for me. I just didn't want to be embarrassed and I knew my wife wanted to go back to that Bible study and that's not what happened. In the front of that Bible, there was a reading plan about Jesus Christ and I started to read about God for the first time in context, and I realized in those moments that the character of God that I had created in my mind was not the God of the Bible. And I can spend the rest of the service telling you how my worldview fell apart that week. You know, I promised Elmo though I wouldn't go over, so uh, I won't do that. But let me share a few, a few things that happened. Uh, I started to read about um, God creating the world. And, and I realized that, that, that although my mother faced suffering, God created a, us to live in communion with him, and it was our sin that brought death into the world. I read about Jesus Christ, and I remember thinking this. I used to, and maybe if you know an atheist, if you ever meet one, they'll say something like this. I used to tell Christians, I don't need God to live a moral life. You need God to live a moral life? I'd say, like, shame on you. And I'm reading about Jesus Christ living a perfect life, and I remember thinking, man, I don't live up to my own standards day after day, let alone a holy and perfect God's standards. I, I remember reading about Jesus Christ uh, choosing, right? He doesn't deserve death, so he chooses to go on the cross. He gives up his life on the cross. And I didn't have a category for that. I, I just didn't. I read about him rising again, right? This was a Wednesday night Bible study. 
and by the following Wednesday, I'd professed faith in Jesus Christ. Right? A, the Lord just turned our world upside down. Um, Tiffany uh, rededicated her life to the Lord uh, that following Sunday evening. So this is all in the same week, without us talking about this. Right? Um, I get asked this a lot. About a year later, I got to share that truth with my parents, and my parents got saved. I got to go over to their house and share the gospel with them. Uh, in our video, you, you might have caught at the end, it says that Scotland has the fastest growing atheist population in the world. So as we surrendered, uh, as we were discipled, eventually we surrendered to go to the missions field, and we didn't know where we were going. And the Lord just kept impressing on us people far from the Lord, just like I once was. And so we have a desire to reach people that are far from the Lord. Um, if you ever turn on the news, do you notice that like our country is getting more and more atheistic every time you turn on the news? Let me put a number on that for you. The United States is thought to be about 2 to 3% atheist right now. Uh, in 2011, they polled the Scottish people in a census, and 57% of the Scottish people claimed not to believe in God. In 2016, they did another poll of the people, asked them a very similar question, and 72% of the Scottish population claimed to not believe in God. So, I hope, and, this, and the story I just shared with you, I hope this is, resonates with you. There's nobody too far from the Lord for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know that's true in our story. We know that it's true everywhere we go. We meet, you know, perhaps you have somebody in your life, a loved one, a neighbor, a coworker who's really far from the Lord, and you, you just have to have hope that through your obedience that they can be reached. We believe that's true for the Scottish people. Guys, uh, I'm so thankful that we get to share this story with you, and perhaps you get to be a part of that, right, in your community and as we reach the nations. Let me, let me pray for us uh, before the, the next missionaries come up. Thank you, guys. Lord, we, uh, we come to you humbly just knowing that um, you bestow grace and mercy on us, Lord, in a way we don't deserve. Lord, I know everywhere we go, my family goes, we meet people whose hearts are broken for those that are far from the Lord like I once was, like we once were. And Lord, we know that uh, you're, you're a God that uh, does the impossible. You do the impossible. And so Lord, we just pray that um, the story that I shared is an encouragement to, for us to be obedient and know that it's, uh, it's not by our power, it's by yours. And so we can have confidence when we share our faith with others, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the grace and mercy that only comes through Jesus Christ, Lord. Lord, we, I just pray that each one of us is convicted to share that truth. Uh, as we go out into the world, as we leave this morning. Lord, I thank you for this church and all the things that it's doing in this community and for the nations. Lord, uh, we love you. And uh, we just pray that uh, you use us in a mighty way in whatever you see fit, Lord. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.